Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I'm really looking forward to speaking with lawyer-turned-financial coach, Ro Thomas. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Ro. Thank you so much for having me, Shelley. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks so much for being here. How about getting us started by introducing yourself? Yes. Well, as Shelly mentioned, my name is Ro Thomas. I am a lawyer turned financial coach. I also host a podcast called Wealthy Esque, where I help lawyers learn to manage their mindset and their money to achieve true wealth. And I define true wealth as having control of your time, because I think when you have that control of your money, then you open up more options and more flexibility for yourself to make other choices for your life that you might not have when you don't have that control of your personal finances. I love that. I love that. And I can't overlook the way you introduce yourself and how I described you as lawyer turned financial coach. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yes. So I was one of those people who wanted to be a lawyer from the time I was a child. I decided that I was going to be a lawyer at seven and I was like straight through school, kindergarten to law school and started working as a trademark attorney about nine years ago now. And I really enjoyed the work that I was doing. It was interesting to me. It was a lot of fun. I, unbiased, of course, I believe that trademark is the best area of law. It's a lot, a lot of fun. But at the same time, part of my journey was in my personal life, fixing my own personal finances. So my husband and I had our first child in 2016. And the firm that I was working with at the time offered a policy where we could do a percentage of the billable hour requirement and receive that same percentage of our salary. And so I was interested in taking advantage of that policy as a new mom. But when we looked at our finances, we realized that we weren't really in a position to take a pay cut. So we looked, we saw that we had over $670,000 of debt, and that's U.S. dollars for those of you who are not in the U.S. And our net worth was negative six figures. It was like negative 300 something thousand. And so it's like, okay, we're not going to take this pay cut. We're not really in a position to do that. And when I tell you, like looking at those numbers was really a shock for me because I had an idea of the debt that I had, the debt that he had, you know, our mortgage, that kind of thing. But I hadn't really thought about it altogether. Like I hadn't, you know, added it up. And I thought that we were doing pretty well with our finances. Like we were not overspending. We weren't overdrawing our accounts. We weren't incurring credit card debt, things like that. And so I thought that we were doing the right things with our money. But the issue was, although we weren't overspending, we weren't being intentional with our spending and we weren't looking at our finances holistically. So not just this day-to-day spending, but also how are we managing our student loan debt and things like that. And so having that kind of eye-opening experience set me on this path of learning more about personal finance. It started my husband's and my own journey to manage our finances better. And I started a blog in 2018, just talking about 
the work that we were doing, the things that we were learning. This is how much debt we paid off this month, that type of thing. And I would help some of my friends, some of my colleagues, some of my family on a hobby basis at that time. Just, you know, I'd have a one-off session helping someone to create a budget or to create a plan to pay off their debt. And it was when 2020 hit that I decided to actually start my coaching business. I had been thinking about it, thinking that I have this information that could help people, but I wasn't making moves to actually get the information out to people in a broader way. And so 2020, you know, being the turn of a new decade, all of the events of 2020, the pandemic, you know, all of that, it just opened my eyes to the fact that time is passing rather quickly and that life can change in the blink of an eye. And so if I wanted to do this thing, let's go ahead and do it. So the middle of 2020 was when I started talking about personal finance on social media and meeting people and talking about what I was doing and you know letting them know that I could help them. I started my podcast that we've already talked about and just started helping lawyers throughout the United States and then also some internationally with their finances. So in the end of 2021 is when I decided to make the transition from practicing law to coaching full-time. And I've been doing that ever since. Fantastic. Fantastic. And it sounds like you're self-taught in terms of the financial coaching work that you do. It's something that came out of your own struggles and mastering your finances. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I just find that so fascinating and uh, also motivating because when you talk about the amount of debt, I mean, you know, it sounded pretty, pretty high at that point. And I think that could be quite demoralizing. And a lot of us would just sort of throw up our hands and say, oh my goodness, I'm going to go, you know, uh, either just ignore it or hire somebody to fix it for me. But no, you sort of took it on and and it parlayed into a coaching practice for you. So incredible story, Ro. Just, uh, yeah, so fascinating. Well, thank you. And, you know, I will say, I didn't know that financial coaching was a thing at that time. Like if I had known that there were people out there who could kind of show me the way, the way that I do now, I likely would have reached out to one of them. But I was doing a lot of that self-exploration, finding podcasts and books and blogs and things like that to learn about personal finance. And there was a lot of trial and error in there. But in doing that, I've learned different ways to handle finances and handle issues that come up with people for their finances. So I think it's almost better that I did do that trial and error process to learn how to manage my finances because then I'm able to tell people like this is the path that worked really well for me this you know didn't work so well and now having worked with different clients i can let people know like these are the things that are working well for my clients or if you're in this type of situation i found that this doesn't work as well right right yeah i mean there's nothing like lived experience for sure i'm wondering if there are any kind of common issues that clients are bringing to you? Um, And if so, could you identify what they are? The most common issue that I see is people just not paying attention to what's happening with their finances, with their daily spending. Like the majority of people that I talk to don't know where their money is going. And I think that that is the biggest issue because when you aren't having 
that intention behind how you're using your money, it's so easy for it to slip through your fingers. It's exactly what was happening with my husband and me, where all of the necessities, the bills, things like that were taken care of. But I couldn't tell you what was happening with the money beyond that. Right. And that money could have been used for saving, for paying off debt, for any number of other things. But because we didn't pay attention to it, we weren't paying attention to or making intentional plans for how we were using our money, then that money just kind of slipped through our fingers. So that's the biggest thing for people is just not knowing where their money is going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just want to backtrack for a second. I understand that um, you work only with lawyers. I work primarily with lawyers, but I have worked with some people who are not lawyers as well. What I've found is that there are a lot of similar professions where people feel the same kinds of things, the same kinds of stress, the same kinds of uh, discouragement, shame around being in exposition and not having a handle on your finances. So I speak to my experience as a lawyer who was in that position who felt that way. But sometimes there are people in other professions who can relate to that as well and will reach out to me. But I do work primarily with lawyers. Okay. And that's an interesting point, that idea of sort of shame and um, sort of the emotional side of our, our, our relationship with, with our finances. And I'm wondering, if, like, how, how, do you help, uh, how do you help lawyers overcome that? So a lot of it is taking that emotion out of personal finance, like being able to look at your numbers objectively and not making them mean something negative about yourself. I teach my clients that all of the numbers are neutral, right? The amount of money that you make, the amount of money in your bank account, the amount of debt that you have, like all of those things are just numbers. And we bring meaning to them by the way that we think about them. And an example that I give is, like I mentioned, my husband and I had $670,000 of debt. On average, when people are coming to me, they'll have, you know, one hundred to two hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt and they feel a lot of shame about that. It feels very heavy. But when my husband and I got to two hundred thousand from six hundred seventy thousand, we were ecstatic. Like this is amazing. We are almost there, right? And so you can see like two hundred thousand dollars of debt, that's the same exact situation that some of my clients are in, but the thought for many people is this is too much. This is overwhelming. This is heavy. You know, that guilt, that shame versus someone else who's starting maybe with a higher number and gets to that $200,000 figure is going to look at it a lot differently. And so it's shifting the way that we think about the different areas of our finances and that will automatically shift our experience of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I wonder too, where those ideas are coming from. Like, you know, someone saying, oh my goodness, you know, $100,000 in debt is terrible. Uh, Where does that idea come from? And the fact that, you know, you on the other side are seeing that as, wow, this is a win. We've really, you know, brought our debt down so much from where we started. So how do you kind of unpack that as a sort of a, a journey to try to discover where these ideas came from? And is that part of the work that you do as well? Not quite, because from my experience, it comes from this pervasive idea in society that debt is bad. 
And then that's coupled with, you know, when you get to becoming a lawyer or becoming another type of professional, like I said, there are people who have reached out to me who are in different but similar professions. You get to these positions and you feel like I'm the one who has made it. I am, you know, a smart person, but then that's coming up against this idea in society that debt is bad and you're stupid if you pay interest and, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's where I think a lot of the shame comes from, where it's like, I'm in this position that is highly regarded, that's considered prestigious, all of that. And here I have this debt that's considered bad, that's considered negative, that's considered stupid. And so you're kind of grappling with those two competing ideas from society. So I think that's where it comes from for most people. We're not digging into like specifics of your childhood or your upbringing or that kind of thing for the most part. Sometimes things like that might come up, but it's not a part of my work as a standard. Right, right. I'm trying to think um, of differences between sort of financial coaching and going to see a financial advisor, for example. And I I wonder if you work in conjunction with, or if your clients work in conjunction with a financial advisor, or once they've worked with you, there's really no need to consult a financial advisor. Yeah. So coaching is different from financial advising in that financial advisors are able to give recommendations for investments and they often will have kind of longer term plans of helping people manage their money for different things that come up in their lives versus coaching is about the day-to-day aspects of managing your money and learning how to manage your cash flow so that you're not spending all of the money that you're bringing in. There might be some goal setting in that. Like for example, clients will, um, they'll want to create emergency funds or they'll want to pay off X amount of debt or that kind of thing. I help with those things, but I'm not helping with, for example, long-term retirement planning, or this is what should be in your investment portfolio or that kind of thing. That is more in the realm of financial advisors. I do know that some advisors do offer kind of coaching services because some of that being able to invest in things or to prepare for those long-term things requires some change in the way that clients are managing the day-to-day of their finances. But from many of the advisors that I've spoken with, and I'm sure that this is not all, but they don't particularly enjoy that part of it as much as they enjoy helping clients put together a plan and teaching them how to invest in that kind of thing. Right, right. So you really can, you can work in tandem. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that that makes really good sense. Uh, something you mentioned uh, early on when describing your own journey is student loans, <laughs> and I know that um, you know lawyers have gone through many many years of um, post secondary education, and it's the rare lawyer that doesn't have uh, some type of student loan when they graduate. So. Are you seeing that as being sort of um, a foundation of where debt may start? And yeah, what are your thoughts on sort of managing student loans? I absolutely see student loans as, I don't know that I'd say it's the foundation of where the debt starts, but that tends to be the biggest amount of debt that my clients have. Some of them also have credit card debt or personal loans maybe car loan, mortgages, you know, things like that. And sometimes, especially with the credit cards and the personal loans, it's this 
kind of overextension of themselves, their finances, right? Where they have X amount to spend, but they're spending X plus and they're going into the credit card debt or getting personal loans to be able to finance that plus part. So that is what I'm seeing. And then in terms of managing the debt, again, it comes back to that initial piece that we were talking about of figuring out where your money is going now. That is the first step with all of my clients, because if we don't know where you are, we can't make a plan to get to where you want to go. So we figure out where the money is going now, and then you want to create a plan that allows you to spend less than the amount that you're bringing in. And then that surplus, that difference between the amount you're bringing in and the amount that you're using for your expenses is what you're going to use to fund your goals. So often one of the goals is going to be some level of minimizing debt, of paying things off. And then, as I said, often clients also have the goal of saving, especially for an emergency fund or maybe some sort of short-term goal that they have, like purchasing a home or something like that. So that's how we manage it in terms of like the actual strategy of it. And then there's also that emotional aspect that we talked about, the shame that comes up for some people, the guilt, the overwhelm. And that goes back to learning to think about your debt, think about your money in general differently. Right. Right. And where does the idea of a budget come in? Because I have to say, every time I think about personal finances, budget comes up and then I just run for the hills. It's like, no, I'm never going to be able to do a budget. (laughs) (laughs) I can do it, but I wouldn't stick to it. (laughs) No, that is a lot of people's thought when you talk about budgeting. But yeah, the plan that I was talking about, that's your budget, right? So once we figure out where your money is going and you plan where you want it to go instead, that plan is a budget. But we don't tend to like the word budget because I think a lot of times people will equate the word budget to restriction or deprivation. And it's not that at all. I think that the budget actually gives you freedom because you know that you have X amount to spend in Y category, right? So you can decide I'm going to spend $500 on this thing or in this category. And then you know going throughout that month that you can spend on this thing freely because you've allocated money to be able to spend on it and not throw yourself off from the other goals that you have. And I think I, just as you're talking, I feel less stressed thinking about that, thinking about it as having having choices, but also there are parameters that I think sometimes I think, oh no, you know, I spent too much, but I, I don't even know what too much means because I, yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like we can't spend too much if we've never defined what enough is, right? right? We have to define what enough is. And then from there, when we know how much you wanted to spend, then we can determine if you've overspent. Yeah. And then it gives you a sort of a sense of, okay, well, here, this is the amount that I have. And, um, you know, lawyers being competitive, it's like, okay, well, I'm either going to come, I'm, I'm not going to spend as much <laughs> this, this month or however, um, you organize your budget. Yeah. Interesting. It's a, it's a real shift. I like that idea of not thinking about it as sort of a restriction or deprivation is, um, such negative, such a negative connotation. Agreed. Agreed. And I think something too that comes to mind as we're talking about this is often clients will feel guilty when they're spending on things that aren't quote responsible, right? Like they're not spending on some responsible thing, like something that they need or 
on a goal like paying off debt or saving money, there is some something in the back of their mind that's telling them I shouldn't be spending this. And again, when you have a budget, you have that plan for what you're going to spend, you've already allocated for this thing that you want to spend on, right? It's already planned for. And so that helps to alleviate that guilt that sometimes we feel when we're spending on something that's not something that you need, or it's not something that's moving you forward financially. Because when you know that you've already planned for it, then you don't have to worry about how it affects any other area of your finances. It doesn't because you've already planned for this. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how do you sort of walk clients through the process of setting up a budget? I mean, I assume, I assume that's a big part of what you do is helping clients um, set up a budget, but correct me if I'm wrong on that. Oh no, you're absolutely right. Because I say the budget is the foundation of your entire money plan. Once you have a budget and you have learned how to intentionally direct your money to where you want it to go, you can achieve any financial goal you have. I strongly believe that. And so when we're talking about setting up a budget, again, it starts with where's your money going right now? Let's look at it. Let's figure out where it's going so that we can determine, do I like where it's going? Do I like how much is going to this thing? Do I want to change that in some way? Right? So we we do what I call a look back and we will look at your previous spending for at least the last month. But I would love, most clients don't do this in all honesty, but I would love more like an average of the last three months. How much have you spent on groceries? How much have you spent on going out to restaurants or takeout? How much have you spent shopping? How much have you spent on, you know, whatever, all of the different categories? Let's get a snapshot of how much you've spent in these different areas over the last one to three months. And then from there, let's go through and question this. Does this align with what's important to me? Because sometimes we find that people are spending a lot of money on something that they don't even care that much about, right? And it's not a conscious thing. They just have not been paying attention. And so then when we look at it consciously, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was spending that much eating out. Like, yeah, I like restaurants, but I don't like it that much. That was actually something one of my clients said. (laughs) When we did this exercise, right? It's like, I like food, but I don't like it that much. (laughs) So we can look at that when we have that data and we've actually looked at what's happening and what you're spending. And then from there, we're questioning, do I like this? Do I like how much I'm spending here? Do I want to adjust it? Are there things that I'm not spending on that I want to be spending on, right? And then we can create a budget that's realistic for you. Because what I also find is when people want to create their first budget, it's like, I'm going to spend $50 on groceries when normally you spend 400 right? And you're like setting yourself up for failure because you think you should be able to spend this lower amount, but it's just not realistic, right? So when we have that, that snapshot, that look back, then we have actual numbers that we can look at and then we can create a realistic budget for you going forward that takes into account these things that you need takes into account the things that are important to you, but also takes into account your goals so that you can make progress financially and not just be kind of spinning your wheels, staying in the same place, but not moving the way that you want to, right? Not making the progress that you want to make. 
And I love the fact that it's so personalized because my sense is, well, perhaps I should work with you, but um, (laughs) my sense is, okay, there's this sort of standard out there. I should be spending X number of dollars on groceries. I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. And what you're saying is, you know, starting from the point of, oh, what, how are you spending? What's important to you? Like it's so personalized and I've never really heard um, finances, although personal finance should be personal. I've never really heard finances talked about that way. Yeah. And I mean, exactly what you said, personal finance is personal. I don't believe in one size fits all rules. This is how you have to do it. Like if you want to spend, I don't know, if you want to spend, let's say a thousand dollars on something that many people spend $300 on, you can, right? It's your finances. The thing is, you're just going to make sure that you balance that with spending less in some other area. Because the, I guess that will say there is one one size fits all rule, which is let's not spend more than you make. Right. right? So, so within the bounds of the amount that you make in that month, you get to decide how you're going to divvy that out among the different categories that you want to use your money for. And so if you have something that is important to you that you want to spend a thousand dollars when you know, on average, people are spending 300. That's perfectly fine. Let's just find where, where are the other areas that you don't care as much about that maybe you're going to spend less than someone else might spend on, right? You're balancing it out, but it is very personal to you. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And as I say, I, I see the benefit of, of working with a, um, a, a financial coach. And it's just something that I had never heard of before either. And so I'm just hoping that we can get the word out because, wow, what a valuable service. And if someone is you know, thinking, oh, you know, that sounds fascinating, the idea of financial coaching, what can they expect if they decide to work with you? And maybe just drawing on an example of a, a client that you've worked with. Sure. So what you can expect, the first conversation that we have is just figuring out where you are in the different areas of your finances. So this is different from the look back that we were talking about. This is how are you feeling about your spending and your budget? How are you feeling about your savings? How are you feeling about your debt, right? Like going through these different areas of your finances and figuring out where you are now with them and where you want to be. Right. So that's my, my initial consultation. Then when we actually start working together, we define goals for what you want to do in our time together. And even looking at your long term goals, how does this time that we're working together fit into that? From there, we will do that look back exercise that we just talked about. We also get a good picture of where you are in terms of the debts that you have. So how many debts do you have? Let's get all of the details out. Who holds the debt? What's the interest rate, right? Like get the nitty gritty on all of the things that are happening for your debt. And then we also look at your net worth. So that is the total assets that you have. So your bank accounts, any property that you own, your cars, right? Like let's figure out all of those things and subtract out the debts and the liabilities that you have, that gets you your net worth. I think your net worth is such a good picture of the health of your finances. Because for example, like going back to my example, if we're looking at where my husband and I were, we were not, like our net worth was not moving. It wasn't going down. We weren't incurring more debt, but it wasn't going up either, right? And so if you are 
moving forward financially and you're doing things that you know help you to pay down your debt or help you to save money, then that net worth is naturally going to increase. So I think it's a really good picture of the health of your finances, where even if you are not overspending, not going into credit card debt, it can show you like you're also not moving forward. So let's address that. So we get a good snapshot of all of those areas of your finances, and then we create that budget for you that is realistic to you, that allows you to spend on things that you care about, spend on the things that you need, you know, put money toward the goals that you have. And then we meet each week and make sure that you're staying on track with that budget. And if you're not, we're going to talk about why not and make sure that you're hitting the goals that you have so that you are making that progress that you want to make financially and you're not finding yourself stuck in the same place year after year, month after month, wondering why you can't seem to get ahead. I really like that idea of the the weekly check-ins because that consistency, I imagine, would be really important to keeping keeping the lawyer on track. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a process. That sounds just so interesting, Ro. Um, and I'm just wondering if there's anything else that we should be, you know, passing on to listeners that you think would be useful. Yeah. One thing that I would love to share is this idea of every choice that we make being a trade off. So when you're thinking about your finances and you are spending on things, whether you are intentionally spending, intentionally planning that spending, or you're just in that area where you're spending and not really paying attention to where it's going. Every purchase, every dollar that you spend is money that can't go to something else. And so when you are intentionally planning, then you can decide, do I want to spend on X? Like, is that more important to me than my goal of paying off my debt or my goal of saving X amount? And you can make that decision. Sometimes, yes, this is more important to me. I would rather buy this thing and have less money available for this goal that I have. Or sometimes it's like, no, actually, it's not as important to me. I would rather you know, make the progress that I want to make on my goal and not buy this thing right now. But every choice that we make, it's a trade-off. And so when we think about money in that way, you're just always kind of weighing your options, always weighing those choices between the goals that you have, the things that you want, and then the things that you're that are coming up for you to buy, right? And so you can decide, do I care about this thing enough to spend money here and not have as much available for this other thing that I want or these goals that I have or whatever it is? And when you think about it that way, it allows you to make those conscious choices with your finances and you're naturally going to spend less because there are a lot of things that we purchase that we're just buying to buy. We're not really thinking about if we care about it, if it's more important to us than this other thing, we just buy it. You know, I think about, for example, with uh, Amazon and people buying things on Amazon all the time. So many people have Amazon packages and don't even remember what's in the package by the time it gets to their home, right? And so when we can make those intentional choices you're naturally going to spend less and you're naturally going to make more progress on your goals. Yeah. Yeah. That makes such good sense. Their idea of intention. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so fascinating, Ro. Um, yeah. So how can listeners learn more about you and this fascinating work that you're doing and maybe get on a call to hear how you can help them? 
Yeah, the best places to find me are my website, which is rowthomas.com and row is R-H-O. So R-H-O thomas.com. And then I'm Row Thomas on LinkedIn as well. Okay, fantastic. I'll put links to both of those uh, in the show notes. Well, Ro, thank you so much for enlightening me and I'm sure many, many listeners about the fascinating world of financial coaching for lawyers. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you again for having me. Thanks for joining me today on the Excel Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at exellegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com.